Now, last week we kicked off our series, uh, The Greatest Christmas, and we learned that the greatest Christmas, uh, through the story of Simeon and Anna, the greatest Christmas uh, is, is uh, found in Jesus and how we can have hope even in the midst of our uncertainties, because hope sees beyond the uncertainties, and, and God is with us, Emmanuel is with us in our uncertainties, and it inspires us to carry on, um, because the greatest Christmas can't be found in anything that we can buy or do or ever hope to be. And oftentimes we get so wrapped up in the gifts, no pun intended, we get so wrapped up in the gifts of Christmas that Jesus is completely left out of the equation. He's completely left out of our entire season. Uh, reminds me of a story of two little boys who were spending the night with their grandparents one night and uh, they're, they're, they're down on their knees at the edge of their bed and they're saying their bedtime prayers and the one little boy, the youngest, he started praying and, and he's praying at the top of his lungs. He says, dear God, I pray for Thomas the train set. I pray for an electric scooter. I pray for a Spider-Man action figure. And his older brother leans over and said, hey, silly, God isn't hard here. And he said, I know, but grandma is. Now, obviously, these two little ones don't quite get it yet, that the true meaning of Christmas is all about a baby that came a couple thousand years ago to take up residency in our hearts and to give us that hope of Christmas and to give us that peace that uh, we so desperately need in our world. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the second chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 2, and uh, I want to share with you uh, part of uh, an amazing, amazing story uh, that we've heard many times, but it never, never gets old. And, and I love um, how CCS, the kids at, at uh, Columbus Christian, every year recite this from memory. Uh, I am not that smart uh, to, to recite it from memory. If I did ever learn all of it, I, it's gone now. So uh, anyway, uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 8. Uh, and we're going to continue through to verse 20. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Can you imagine just being one of those shepherds? 
Can you imagine um, just the astonishment, the the awesomeness? I, I, I don't even know how to describe uh, what it would, would be like, but but you think about their lives, and it's, it's, it's night after night, the same old, same old, night after night after night. You know, they, they, they watch the sheep graze, and then they watch out for wolves, and they watch the sheep, they watch for wolves, they watch the sheep, they watch for wolves. That's all they're doing night after night after night. And then all of a sudden, th- this angel appears out of nowhere and starts talking to them about the Messiah that, that, is, that is coming. Right, And then, not long after the angel talks to them, a, a whole sky full of angels appear. So it's, it's like one thing to have one angel appear and start talking to you, and then after a while, a whole bunch of other angels come. And, and I can imagine these... Uh, I love the way the New, the New Living Translation uh, translates this. It well, calls them the, the armies of heaven. Right, And so the armies of heaven, the angels, are in the sky, and it's completely... It's completely caught these shepherds off guard, I can imagine, because this is something they're not used to. Not, not much excitement going on in, in, the, in the fields, I would, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know if you know what it's like to ever be completely off guard. Have you ever completely been caught off guard by something? One time I was probably the most caught off guard of my life. It's kind of a funny story. I, I was doing a concert at a church with Gordon Moat. You guys remember Gordon that's been here a few times, the blind uh, piano player that's on all the Gaither videos, and, and uh, we're, we're doing a concert together at a church, and we're both standing out in the foyer of the church by our product tables, and we're just talking, and this lady walks up to me, and she grabs me by the arm, and she looks me in the eye, and she says, oh, I just love you on all those Gaither videos, and I'm like... I- you know, I look at her, and of course, at first, I think she's talking to Gordon, because Gordon's in all those Gaither videos, right? And, but, but she was looking right at me, and she's still holding on to my arm while she's saying this, and I didn't really know what to say, and Gordon leans over to me, and he goes, just go with it. And so I go, all right, all right, so, uh, uh, you know, we just kind of played it off, but I still wasn't really sure what she was talking about, because I thought, number one, who in the world did she think I was, and number two, how did a blind guy pick up on this, and I didn't, you know, and, and so I was completely caught off guard, and it kind of messed with me for a little while before the concert started, and, and uh, anyway, that's nothing in comparison. We've all had those moments where we're just taken back by, by something. These shepherds, again, just taken back by these incredible angels appearing and praising God. And and the Bible doesn't really say that they were singing, but I can imagine they're singing because that's what angels do. And they're declaring the glory of God in heaven and peace on earth to all humanity on whom his favor rests. In other words, as Mike put it in his meditation, those who believe in him. We don't know what language or language is. We don't know what the melody was. We don't know what kind of melody or, or, or harmony. Uh, was going on, how loud uh, it was or whatever, uh, whatever else was going on there, but, but amazing display of God's glory. And it's incredible because you think that when something like this happens, when God chooses to do something like this in our minds, if we were writing the story, this audience would have been a, a, an important group of VIPs, Right? Because you don't waste something this big and this magnificent on lowly people. It's for those special people or maybe those pretty people or those people who have their act together. The famous, the powerful, the kings and queens, the movers and the shakers of the world, right? 
That's not how God does this, right? It's those shepherds, completely everyday, average, ordinary Joe, night shift working animal tenders who are unlikely, unexpected recipients of this incredible blessing that God is giving to them. It's another example of how God flips the script of how we think he ought to work sometimes. Because we get this in our minds, God ought to be working like this, right? Don't we do that? God, why haven't you done this? God, why don't you do this? But our ways are not his ways. This is why we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, as Proverbs said, and we lean not on our own understanding. And it's, it's a perfect example of how we humans would expect and plan and to do it if it were up to us to save the world. But... That's not how God did it. And, and so we look at this story and it asks, you know, it, it, I think it, there's reason for us to ask, why would God do this, right? Why these completely unexpecting, lowly shepherds, why would they be the recipients of this amazing display of, of God's majesty? Maybe it's because the shepherds actually tie many biblical threads together. When we look all the way back through the Old Testament and we, we look at the patriarchs of Israel, most of them were shepherds, right? Most of them were animal tenders as well. Most of them were roaming ranchers in the ancient world. Abraham, the original recipient of God's covenant, certainly something that he did. And, and God said, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And this, this promise was carried on through all of his ancestors, through Isaac, through Jacob, beyond. David, Israel's greatest king. What was his first job? He was a shepherd, right? And so we're not really sure why God completely did this, but we can kind of speculate why God might have done it this way. But the bottom line is this. There was nothing special about these guys. They didn't have any entitlement. There was no reason. There was no pride. There was no arrogance. There was no religious bloating. But they fit right into the narrative of how God was going to introduce the Messiah to the world. Right? It's this humble carpenter. It's this peasant girl. They're the parents of the Son of God. He's going to be born in a lowly stable among the animals. These rough and rugged shepherds out in the fields, kind of living on the fringe of a more civilized community. They were the have-nots of society. And they were examples, though, of God raising and using the humble and turning the world as we know it upside down. So in a move that's just like God, those considered by society to be the most holy, they weren't even given a place at the stable. But those who were considered less than, they were. And they were able to receive that incredible sign from God, and they were able to be there at the arrival of the Messiah. And these shepherds also signify Jesus' future ministry and teaching sheep might have been considered lowly animals but they were very special to the jewish culture the passover lamb was the sacrifice an ancient jew would make during the most important holiday because the blood was the atonement for a person's sins it was the cost 
that had to be paid to restore a person to a right relationship with God. And each time it was done, that sacrifice was a reminder of, of the original Passover when God rescued the Jewish people from bondage in Egypt. Now you and I know that Jesus was entering our world to identify as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate payment for our sins. His death did away with the need for us to sacrifice these lambs. His resurrection made it possible for us to be fully restored in a relationship with God. His life made it possible for us to experience true peace. It's probably partly for all of those reasons. Again, we don't really know 100% for sure. But it's, it, it's probably partly for those reasons that God sent those angelic messengers to these shepherds to announce the birth of his son. It certainly reminds us that God's favor is not based on human standards. It's based on, on his standards. It's not based on what we have or what we do. It's kind of like a song I heard one time that goes, the greatest Christmas can't be found in anything that you can buy or do or ever hope to be. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness, who accepts the gift of hope and peace and joy, and love that Jesus, the Lamb of God, can bring. Because peace isn't based on our standing. It's not based on class. It's not based on position. It's not based on our occupation. But peace, perfect peace, is based on God's design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I think the shepherds lead us to several insights about our own intersection with God's peace. And if you're taking notes, this is the first point in our outline. Peace comes in the midst of our storms. From what I understand, now some of you might have been, were any of you down in Florida when uh, the most recent hurricane hit? It was Ian, right? That was the most, I know you went, you weren't down there. Were you down there while it was happening? I couldn't remember that. You were, kind of, sort of. Before and after and all around all that. Anyway, yes. But, but several were and several experienced damage and several experienced some pretty frightening moments, I'm sure. But if you've ever been in the eye of a hurricane, from what I understand, I, I have not. But from what I understand, it is a very eerie experience because, and, and you've probably seen it on the weather channel maybe or on a radar. It, it's this huge storm in this big old circle. Here's a picture of 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 Ian uh, on on the screen here, right? And so you see all that. Now I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pretend to be a meteorologist here for a second, right? And and so you see all this green and yeah, over here, uh, yeah, all that chaos that's going around. You got a lot of rain. You got a lot of wind. You got all this junk that's going around. All this devastation that is happening. But right in the center of it is this circle. And from what I understand, right in the middle of this circle, there is truly stillness, right? That's right in the middle, right in the center of all this melee, right in the middle of all of this chaos and destruction that is going around. There's this calmness. The wind dies down. There's no rain. It's a pause in the chaos. It's 
but the thing is, it's, it's temporary because what happens then as the storm continues uh, to, to move, then the other side of the storm, you know, whacks you up, upside the head and then it, it's total chaos again, right? But here's the deal. In a hurricane, it's temporary. It doesn't last. And then those winds start howling again. And the, and, and, and the rain starts falling. And from what I understand, it even starts going in an opposite direction than it generally was. It's kind of like one of those moments. You ever watch um, <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures, I guess, is, is The Flash. I used to watch The Flash a lot. I haven't watched it. Anybody else watch The Flash with me? One, two, three of us. That's awesome. That is just great. Okay, we'll just move on. We won't even talk about it. But actually, here's the deal. The fla- in The Flash, he moves around so fast that, it, that just like there's moments where they'll just pause the, the, the show and there's like these freeze frame moments where he's like really, really slow. And everything else around him, you know, is, is, is like he, he can move around and just do this kind of thing where everything else is just kind of paused because he is so fast. Everything else around him seems to be like not that big a deal. I kind of pictured the eye of the hurricane kind of like that. Right? All this stuff, you know, but, but, but it. He's just moving, just like, you know, just everything is still. And, and I kind of picture that with, with our relationship with Christ, where we've got all this craziness going around us. But right in the center, we, we just step back in this freeze frame kind of moment and understand that, that he's in control. We don't have to worry. We don't have to lose our minds. If we're honest, if, if I were to ask you the question, how's your Christmas season going so far? If, if you were all honest, you'd probably say, well, mine's busy. Uh, mine's hectic. Mine's frantic. I've got a lot of concerns. I've got a lot of worries, you know. And, and maybe that describes our lives this time of year. Maybe it describes our lives all year round, not just Christmas. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of the peace that God wants you to have. Maybe it's something more. Maybe there's conflict in your life. Maybe it's relational conflict. Maybe it's pressure at work. Maybe you're worried about losing your job or you've lost your job. Maybe you've got an illness. You name it. We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of problems to choose from in our lifetimes, I'm sure. And for a lot of people... Peace sounds like this pipe dream. It sounds like it's a long way off. It might sound like a good idea. might be a nice thought for the holidays. Something that we long for. If this is where you find yourself today, I want to encourage you that Jesus shows up right when it seems the storms threaten us the most. Right? When, when, when the storms of life are threatening our peace, threatening our hope, threatening our joy, He is there with us. When love seems lost, when the way forward seems totally unclear, we don't know what to do next. It's in these moments where I think God does His best work, where He appears and where Christ takes over, the Holy Spirit calms our anxiousness. This is where the the world was when Jesus showed up the first time. The world was in absolute turmoil. In the middle of Israel's darkest time, right? Remember we talked about last week how they were under the the Roman oppression and how they really couldn't uh, 
be who they wanted to be because they were under uh, Roman rule. And right in the middle of Israel's dark night under Roman oppression, after centuries of suffering, after centuries of wondering, where is God? In the middle of a world that is turned upside down for a young Jewish couple, I mean, think about that for a moment. you got this young Jewish couple who have found themselves at the center of a cosmic event. Right? This is huge. This isn't your normal pregnancy. This isn't your normal circumstances. And so they've got this huge event going on that they know is from God, and they're trying to couple that with all of the, the issues that go along with becoming uh, parents for the first time. They're trying to pay their dues as citizens. They're traveling by foot and donkey across the country just so they can be counted by the government. They got all of these things going on. And and again, they're getting ready to have their first child. And this isn't just any child. This is God's son. You think about all of the stuff that's going on in their minds. You know, they've got the joys of being a parent for the first time, the wonder, the fear, the responsibility of having their first son. But this is God's son. You new parents know what I mean out there. You have baby for the first time. You got your, that little one and just what a joy it is. But you also understand everything that goes along with it and the anxiousness and, and the responsibility and the worries and all of those things. But it's in, in the midst of all of these types of circumstances and all of these struggles where God shows up and says, my peace, I give you. I don't, I don't give as the world gives. I give you a peace that transcends all understanding. And this is where God continues to show up for us time after time after time in our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, in our grief, in our loss, in our times of uncertainty. God is there. And I don't know every hardship that you're facing today. I know that you're having one or you've had one or you're going to have one, one of those three. Because the Bible says you're going to. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what pain you might have. But God knows. And he's there. And he is offering peace to you. To calm your heart. It's a peace that defies all understanding and circumstances. You ever been in a situation where everything's just awful. But for some unknown reason. You just have this calmness about you. People might even ask you, say, I don't understand everything that's going on in your life. How in the world can you just be so full of joy still and so calm? You have that peace that you don't even understand. It's because Jesus is living and that's God. That's his Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God in your life. And it doesn't make sense, but I believe it's evidence of God in our lives. And it defies our circumstances. That's the second point. If you're taking notes this morning. Peace defies our circumstances. And you might say, well, that's great for you. That sounds nice. That's wonderful. But you don't understand how much it hurts. No, I don't. I, I, I can't imagine what some folks that we know are going through right now that have just lost a son couple of families that have just lost young sons. And I don't know that pain. 
have no idea what that feels like. But God does. I can't imagine how awful that might be. And I can only agree with how unfair it seems to be. But let me encourage you that there is a peace that is deeper. There is a peace that defies your circumstances. In the face of everything that you're feeling. And everything that you've gone through. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But God is real And it's his peace and it's his healing that he wants to bring to you in the midst of these incredibly difficult circumstances. And God says that he can guard your hearts and he can guard your minds in Christ Jesus. He can protect your mind from the onslaught of anxiety that might be on its way. The Apostle Paul describes it like this in Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember I love the way he says this. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Do you believe that this morning? The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage each of you today that no matter what you're facing, That this process of peace begins with us turning to God. Bringing our hearts, bringing our questions, bringing our doubts, bringing our whys, bringing our needs to Him. And Paul says it like this, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done in your life. And again, I don't pretend to fully understand it all. But there is a power in prayer and a transformation that takes place when we pray with gratitude about whatever it is that's taking place. I can't explain it, but I've experienced it. I've known people in my life that have experienced it. It's not the power of getting what we want. Or it's not the power of of trying to twist God's arm to see things our way and do something for us. I mean, we can try to do that, and he'll listen to us. But again, his ways are higher than our ways. I think the power of prayer happens in this experience of peace as our perspective changes and finds an understanding that God is with us, God is in us, no matter what. It's when we acknowledge and accept that God's got this. And he can be trusted. And he's enough. About 27 years, according to the history books, before Jesus was born, Rome experienced something unique. And it was called the period, it was Pax Romana, Romana, however you want to pronounce it. Basically, the peace of Rome is what it stood for. And beginning with the reign of Emperor Augustine, who was the emperor of Rome at that time, and lasting until about 180 AD, so about 200 years, Rome was at peace. They had few internal conflicts. Their nation rarely went to war. Their Pax Romana offered something the world hadn't known for centuries. 
a nation, a powerful nation that existed that was at peace from war. They didn't have any with other countries, that is. But that peace was only yours if you were Roman. If you weren't Roman, you could have peace with Rome, but it was often peace that was enforced at the end of a sword. You did things their way or there was no peace for you. And even for the Romans, this Pax Romana was a time of violence and uncertainty within some of the higher ranks, right? During this period of time, this is when most of the emperors of Rome were assassinated. One of those emperors was a guy named Caligula. You've probably heard about this guy. He was, all right, for lack of better terms, this guy was a nut job, okay? And, and he, was a, he, was, he was a cruel tyrant. Um, he, he was known for having these, these drunken parties where you just, well, don't use your imaginations. It, it, whatever they wanted to do went on there. It was, it was disgusting. Then there was another emperor named Nero. You've heard that name before. A lot of people believe that it was Nero who burned Rome to the ground. He blamed the Christians for burning it to the ground, and then he would send them to die into the Colosseum, and he would amuse the crowds by the Christians being killed. Uh, they, there's even stories that say that he would uh, cover Christians in tar and hang them up on posts and light them on fire to light the streets. Then there was a guy named Titus, emperor who had once been an infamous general. He was commander of the Roman army. Army. Uh, he, uh, he basically slaughtered all of the inhabitants of, of certain areas and demolished the city in 70 A.D. Okay? So while this was a time of great national security for Rome, inside the place was a mess. People were filled with uncertainty. People were filled with violence. There was peace from war with other countries, but there was no real peace in the hearts of men. And so when the angels show up to the shepherds on that hillside just outside of Bethlehem that the Messiah had come, they were declaring that, listen, guys, God is offering something different because we see what's going on. Humans are trying to negotiate peace. Humans are trying to have peace. But God has come to give you a different kind of peace, a peace that Rome cannot give. And so when the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests, it was at the heights of this Pax Romana that the angels of God were declaring that a newborn baby was going to offer a new and different kind of peace that no one has ever experienced before. It was something better than anything in the world could offer. And that was that this peace is found in a person. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. Long before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, Isaiah predicted it in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, as Mike read for us earlier. His government and its peace will never end. Isn't that amazing? It'll never end. You know, we talked about the hurricane and how sometimes in that hurricane, in the eye of the storm, you've got calmness for a while, but on the, you know, here in a little bit, you're going to get whacked again. With God, His peace will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, when the Jews read this and they saw these prophecies, it kind of had these um, political undertones, if you will. And so you could see why the Jews are looking at this and thinking, oh, he's going to set up his government and all of these things are going to be wonderful because he's going to make this happen. And so they were eager to see this political Messiah. What they missed was that it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the, the completeness of the work of God through Jesus Christ and how he would eventually set up his government. But most of all, this child that is born, the son that is given to us, brings this peace into our personal lives. He is the bringer of peace. In all of our circumstances. So when we look around the world. And we see all of the chaos in the world. When we see all the injustices. When we see the wars. We see all of this junk that's going on. And we get all worked up over it. God says listen you don't. This world's not going to last forever anyway. This isn't your ultimate home. You just be who you are. And I got this. You be who I created you to be in the midst of all of this turmoil. And my Holy Spirit will enable you to have the peace that passes all understanding. But the most important thing is this. This child that came brought us peace with God. This sacrificial lamb. This giver of life. Offers us peace with God. Jesus is God who has come to be with us. And he offers us this invitation during this Advent season and always. Listen to this. And this is not part of the Christmas story. But this is what Jesus says to each and every one of us who are in this room today. And everyone who, who will hear it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Isn't that an incredible offer of peace and rest and stillness and security? Let those words just sink in for a moment. And in this second week of Advent, let me encourage you to look for the Prince of Peace in your life when the winds start to swirl and they start to howl and they start to blow and things start to get turned upside down. Let me encourage all to come to Him Worship him like the shepherds did when we find ourselves in the darkness of, of the storms. Let me remind you to come to him because he's there. The Prince of Peace is with us. As our worship team comes to play an invitation song for us, I want to close with a quote that I found this week that I think is uh, pretty profound. Uh, it's an unknown author. 
I, I tried to research it as best I can to see who said this. Couldn't find it. But I think it's very wise. Peace with God brings the peace of God. It's a peace that settles our nerves, fills our minds, floods our spirits, and in the midst of the uproar around us, gives us the assurance that everything is all right. If you don't know that peace today, we encourage you to make things right with God. Maybe you're sitting out there and you've never made that first time decision to surrender your life to Him and let God be that or let Jesus be that uh, peacemaker between you and God. And we believe that you do that by confessing Jesus as the Son of God. He is the Christ. And you repent of your sins and you're baptized into Him for the washing away of your sins. We believe that's where it starts. But most of you in this room have done that. But, but somewhere along the way, life's beaten you up and you've lost that peace and you've lost that stillness. I would encourage you to just reaffirm your faith in Him. Turn it all over to Him. Pray about it with thanksgiving. And Jesus promises us that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you have a decision to make, we invite you to come. If you're watching online and you've heard what we've talked about or sung about today and you want to experience this peace and you want to reach out to us, use the church connection number that we have for you on the screen or Reach out through email, call the church office. Um, we'd love to talk to you about that. Let's pray together.